Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. As we say goodbye to Gordon Lee and Franco Farrell, rest Cheers, in lads. peace. And looking at their previous club's current positions, they will, like Shane Warne, be spinning in their graves. And talking of managers of the past, Man United's discipline and dressing room problems have meant that the Old Trafford Club are seeking a Ferguson-style no-nonsense disciplinarium. And a surprise candidate has emerged in the shape of former Speaker of the House of Commons, John Burko. Oh, really? Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) And so apparently the uh, European Super League is still not dead. That's good news. Uh, As Real Madrid, Barcelona and Juventus are still clinging to the wreckage, hoping to get something going. Juventus chairman Andrea Agnelli seemed encouraged this week, saying, I haven't heard the word Super League as much as I have today. I'm presuming in phrases such as, fuck right off with your fucking stupid Super League and stick your (laughs) fucking stupid Super League up your fat greedy arse. (laughs) <laughs> I just want to say, actually, before we go into Oldham shit, which is uh, traditionally the next part I'm of I'm not the, sure people uh, realise that's the headline. Oh, don't they? Well, that, that, that's what it says. <laughs> on the running uh, yeah, order. On my, on my handwritten piece of paper yeah. in front of me. Oldham shit. I just want to say... Relax just for 10 minutes. I just want to say yeah. that you don't have the monopoly on misery because in the last eight games, you've had three wins, four draws and one defeat. Yes. And we've had one win. This is Stoke. One win, yes. three draws and four defeats. So you're having the resurrection and we're going through the end of days. We're going through the four <laughs> horsemen of the football apocalypse. We've got goal famine, diseased confidence, surrender in battle, and the death of hope. So follow that up with your moaning. Well, you had a you had a ninety third minute equaliser, didn't you, against uh, Bottom Club Barnsley in the week? <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, before we plunge into kamikaze, the thriller second water park ride that is the Premier League, let us first allow ourselves to be dragged around the back garden in a laundry basket by an uncle who's not really an uncle, but is a friend of our mum's, in a ride that is equal parts duty, discomfort and disappointment, much like the very bottom of the EFL. Where my team Oldham had a bit of a setback last weekend, presented with the opportunity to leapfrog a handful of rivals by beating Carlisle in a relegation six-pointer, we sadly reverted to form, and unfortunately the form we reverted to was the one where we failed to hold out for a draw, having been ahead and lose to a goal in the fourth minute of injury time. Now, if we'd got the draw in a six-pointer, we'd get two points, right? That's how it works. 
anyway, it was looking good at half-time. We'd just scored right on the half-time whistle, which I'm led to believe is a good time to score, and we'd also missed a penalty, the taking of which was delayed by several minutes when Carlisle started a fight. We've spoken recently, haven't we, Nick, about the uh, how yes. shenanigans around the taking of a penalty can be surprisingly effective. See Aspilicueta shouldering the burden of the shenanigans so they didn't put Kai Havertz off in the Club World Cup final. And sure enough, there were shenanigans and Ke- Davis Keeler Dunn missed when he finally got to step up to the no! spot. Yeah, you haven't seen so many penalties recently, until recently, have you? But uh, but this was the one where the keeper dives way past the ball, but it hits his shins anyway. It was Stuart Pearce's one in Italia 90. But you were sitting yeah. by the pool by then, weren't you? Not, I was, not watching them. Yes. <laughs> anyway, second half, though, we let them equalise only a couple of minutes in, which I would argue is a good time to score, maybe even a better time to score. And you know mm. how sometimes you see a statistic and you know it's going to come back and bite you in the arse? In the preview to this game, it was saying Carlisle had not won a game all season after going behind, apparently, until the 94th minute of this one. Oldham mm. were above Carlisle only a couple of weeks back, but now they've won three in a row and we have not. Still, it's all in our hands, what with the games in hand and the, and the teams above us in iffy form. Lake Norient especially, now looking for a new manager bounce with our old manager, Richie Wellens. And it's not going to be yeah. straightforward, though, whatever happens. It's going to be a bit of a roller coaster. It's beginning to look less like a Shez erection and more like Shezington World of Adventures. Yeah, and also, can I say, not so many games in hand now either. Not so well. We've played a couple. That's true, but yeah, we still got. <laughs> that's how it works. We've still got the uh, the games in hand on Stevenage and on Barrow, I think. And but yeah. the other teams are floating away from us. I don't think we've got any in hand on Orient. But anyway, now as you know, Oldham's clown-based ownership duo put the club up for sale a couple of months ago, which was the the start of the the, the um, revival of hope, <laughs> uh, sealed yeah. with the arrival of, of, of Sheridan. Uh, and now we're hearing about some bloke who's supposedly interested in heading a consortium to buy it, like we were saying to Lloyd the other week about Grimsby. The dream is, at our level, given the scarcity of shake interest yeah. in EFL two, to find a local businessman made good, if possible, lifelong fan, which seems to be what this guy is. And not just lifelong in the sense of for the rest of his life, starting now, um, he seems to have put five decades in. So I feel like I know his emotional trajectory. Well, um, presumably you must know him, don't you? <laughs> he's, been, he's, he's, he, he's moved away and he's not been going to many games. And, and, and also, why do when people make these announcements, are they always heading up a consortium? Yeah. Why, why can't they be like, I'm like fifth well, in now, a group if, of people. If you, need, if you have a consortium, well, it's like Amanda Staveley, isn't it? She's heading up that consortium. She's not, it's yeah. not her money. She's the She's just the terrifying yeah, face of it. You just wish that people would be a little bit more humble about it. It's like I've always wanted there to be an announcement on the radio saying that there's an escaped convict, but do approach him because, honestly, he's ever so nice. <laughs> he's really good company. You know, <laughs> you take your chance while you've got it. Oh, there's a very funny uh, Tom Stopper play, isn't there, where there's a, the, the, the characters are in a house and there's a, uh, a, a, a lunatic um, escaping uh, uh, loose on the moor. And a thing comes on the radio saying that people are out looking for him on the moor, going, uh, come in, don't be mad. <laughs> don't it's not the real inspector. Don't be mad. I can't remember which one it is now. It's no, a no. stop, anyway. I think. Anyway. anyway, this guy is called Chris Lees, which is a good <laughs> local name. The Lees yes. Brewery people used to own the club and sponsor our shirts back in the 80s. And it's not clear whether he's related to them in any way. And he's out- outlined some crowd-pleasing intentions in the local press, wants to keep shares, as do we all, uh, despite his stated plan to retire in the summer. Uh, he pledges not to interfere in the playing side. Uh, he might as well say, I pledge not to make my own brother the sporting director like the previous Muppet. Um, he wants to make head 
head coach into manager again, which is all crowd-pleasing stuff. It's all fine and dandy and splendid and marvellous and good, but as a skilled and experienced gift horse mouth inspector, I would have to say this. As far as I can tell, he's gone to the press before he hasn't even talked to the current owners. He's gone to the press to make the current owners listen to his attempt to buy the club. He's gone to supporters groups and asked them to to bully Abdallah Lemsigam into listening to him. He says he wants to illicit ideas, but he spells it I-L-L-I-C-I-T. So does that mean he wants... Like illegal he ideas. ideas like that. <laughs> yeah, illicit, illicit. He wants illicit, illicit. <laughs> Thank God. But does he want illicit? No, he describes himself on his ah oh, on his thing as a creative artist. Um, oh, and, no. But then quote more importantly, a good dad. Oh. <laughs> and his money is supposedly from cryptocurrency somehow. His plan is to raise funds using NFTs. He wants to put 10% of the club's assets into Bitcoin. Well, good luck finding any fucking assets. That's what I'm saying. Oh, God, please, please tell me what NFTs means because I want to hear you say it. It's coming in just a moment, I promise. <laughs> good, good, but good. But first, good. one other thing. Apparently, he was on Come Dine With Me in 2016 pretending to be an, <laughs> uh, pretending to be an actor musician from the Cotswolds called Christian. Just... Wait, wait, wait. It's... Listen sorry, to this whole sorry. sentence. Yeah, pretending to be an actor musician from the Cotswolds called Christian Devere, who played bass guitar for Tina Turner. <laughs> it's like a really low rent Wrexham. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? I bet I'm really, I, uh, he claims also to have seen Mark Hughes back heel the equaliser in the '94 FA Cup semi final. I don't think so. Think so. <laughs> I'm just worried he's going to turn up on the pitch in a helicopter wearing tiny shiny shorts and do keepy uppies and then score in the home yes. end, which used to be the away end, and then we'll never hear from him any, ever again. But now, you wanted to know more about NFTs. I'm yes, sure you please. know that it stands for non-fungible tokens. And oh, fungible I love it. always to me, whatever <laughs> you're hearing this all the time now. Fungible sounds like something you'd see in every single advert break in the two months leading up to Christmas. I yeah. love my fungible, and my fungible loves me. Yeah. Um, I always I'd, I'd like to think of Fungebob Squarepants <laughs> yeah. as well. Well, somehow. yeah, there's a lot of confusion. It's a, not to be confused with the Fungetable, which is a carrot shaped like a cock and bollocks, like seen on That's Life. And finally, Esther, <laughs> a carrot that would not be approved of by vegetarians, resembling, as it does, a gentleman's meat and two veg. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Cyril. <laughs> so an NFT is a non-interchangeable unit of data stored on a blockchain. Oh, Christ, I don't know what a blockchain is. Which can then be traded or sold. And these can be yeah. digital files, such as photos, film, audio, works of art. They can be licenses for use or ownership yeah. of tangible things, like, say, yeah. Andy Ritchie's hat. Andy Ritchie is magic. He wears a magic hat. So that hat would be worth having as an actual item. But you could license, you, you know, you, you, it from Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays uh, via an NFT. The whole world yeah. is a little bit sus somehow, isn't it? A little bit... Uh, I mean, somehow Melania yeah. Trump's picture of her own eye reached incredible value, uh, nominal value as an NFT by virtue yeah. of her buying it off herself. Okay. I mean, yeah. there are can, countless can, can, sort of schemes and the whole thing is so incredibly sort of volatile. But this has not stopped. This is the news this week. It's not stopped the Premier League from moving forward with discussing a major NFT deal that could generate hundreds of millions of pounds or possibly Mickey Mouse dollars for uh, EPL clubs. And they started talking at the meeting this week about starting to sell NFT rights by the end of the year. So what the hell would they be? Premier League NFTs. This is what we... This is what we... Well, can, can I, 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 I... I? Well, I haven't read a bit of it. I was going to say I'd read a bit about it, but I haven't. Say, no, you, <laughs> you, you told me about you, it. You talked to a bloke walking his dog nearby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it seemed to me that basically they've got footage, they own footage. Yes, they do. And you could kind of buy... Oh. 
bits of footage. Well, so yeah, this is, what's happened, this is what's happened with the NBA in America. And if it, well, well, I was going to buy for you for oh, next well. Christmas, but now I know I was going to buy you Mark Hughes's equaliser in that FA Cup semi-final. Yeah, back heel, apparently. Yeah. So it could never be shown again. Well, this is see. the thing. This is the thing, isn't it? Because the uh, the NBA in America, um, they've already jumped on this bandwagon. They market a thing called Top Shot as a collect a collectible, uh, in the spirit of old trade cards except now collectors buy the rights to highlights and clips. And lots of fans think this is selling out. I mean, imagine owning the clip of Aguero's goal that won City the league. Imagine you buy that and you're a United fan and you make sure it is never seen ever, ever again. But that but that was exactly my point with the Mark Hughes goal. But yeah, yeah. actually, it, ter- it turns out that you don't have that right. No. No, 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 no. You, you're, it, you're a bit like... Um, I don't know, uh, the Duchess of Devonshire, <laughs> in that you own Chatsworth, but people are still allowed to still wander allowed to around, around and it. look at it. So you own yeah. it. Oh, man. I mean, I, don't the, know. The, I, mean, I never thought that the Duchess of Devonshire was going to crop up no. in this show, and I'm glad it has. Yeah, well, yeah, as, uh, well, as, the, name of, well, as the name of a pub, I'm sure it is. And she's <laughs> a dowager, by the way. Oh, anyway, well, no, even, even more interesting than she was just a moment ago. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I wanted to mention that, you know, when we did the, the film of Brexit, was with Johnny Wilkinson. The producer did a deal to use footage from the 2002 Rugby World Cup final, which was expensive and limiting and made it difficult for us to distribute the film and get it on the television because of having to accommodate the bloody RFU, the Rugby Football Union, who were incredibly greedy. And if you think about that iconic clip, the one of Johnny Wilkinson's dropkick winner in the last minute of that Rugby World Cup final, you ought to be seeing that all the time. Don't you think? It ought to be on the title sequence of Question of Sport. It ought to be on in the coverage of every subsequent tournament. But it's not because the RFU have effectively priced it out of the culture. You, you can't, you, no one can afford to buy it. So they just don't. They just don't. And Johnny Wilk, that, sh- that moment should be. Should be part of uh, it. Should be part of the of the of the fabric of the nation, and somebody owns it, and they've decided you can't see it. And I, that's that was my that's the worry with uh, people buying highlights and clips as NFTs. But anyway, and also yeah. the worry is that it's a gateway to speculative cryptocurrency, and uh, and they're going to do it at the same time as banning gambling. But this is effectively a gateway drug to bank to gambling. You know. And the likelihood is that the Premier League will go ahead and try to make hundreds of millions of pounds by flogging something that will turn out to be essentially worthless, a bit like Alexis Sanchez. But anyway. Indeed, yes. Basically, magic beans, I'd like to call magic it. Magic beans, uh, yeah. although, although the thing about magic beans MBs, is, you know, the magic beans, yeah. the, mag- well, the magic beans turned out quite well for Jack. In a way, That's they the did. trouble. People, people slag off magic beans. They do. He did a good deal. Magic beans, without, without magic beans, there's no golden goose. There's is no that, goal. Literally. Is that, yeah, I think that's what's no, up there. there isn't. That's what's bloody up there. There's a giant and he's got a golden goose. Who wouldn't swap a cow for a goat? Anyway, <laughs> there's a bit of climbing the, involved, but otherwise yeah. it's all upside, isn't um, it? The magic yeah, thing. Yeah, and the, and the smell of blood. Any old way. <laughs> TV rights is, is, is another thing because, of course, we've had, we've had both the Chinese refusing to show the Premier League and the Russians having the Premier League taken away from Well, yeah, I mean, you can feel the the Premier League with this NFT thing. You can almost feel that this is an ideal time to approach the Premier League with something like that because the international TV rights bonanza is spiralling down the shitter for them with, uh, you know, they can't show it in Russia anymore. They've said, you know, they've been embarrassed into not into pulling it out of Russia and China don't want to show the solidarity with Ukraine, do they? So so can I ask you, because you're a lot cleverer than me, let me ask you this. China aren't showing it Mm. because there's a lot of dissent about the 
Because of the blue and yellow thing. Ukraine, yeah, yeah, the yeah. blue and yellow thing. And yet we're stopping it being shown in Russia mm. where that might well, have yeah, some yeah, sort you see, of you've got, I don't know. I that, understand that. Yeah, no, you make a good point because the, uh, this is the Premier League's point first. When they're under pressure to pull coverage out of Russia, to punish them, to punish them for the Ukraine, their point was, but they'll see... All the uh, yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. All the dissent and, uh, yeah. and all the football yeah, yeah. stands together and all the blue yeah. and yellow yeah. armbands and all of that crap and 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 that would be good for Russian people to see that and in a way yeah. you'd think that you'd expect the Russians to want to 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 ban it themselves but yeah. um, but no the Chinese are, uh, yeah. are are worried about upsetting the Russians because they they just see uh, an oil bonanza coming their way <laughs> yeah absolutely no and you know and I, and I can I just say I, I don't want to appear shallow and and obviously whatever's happening in the too UK late is, yeah is, is very very sad but I, I just like to just like to point out how quickly you you accepted me saying how much more clever you are than me without even a demurring word. I, I so didn't verbalise anything. I, I don't know whether that's selfish. I don't know. Maybe it is. I didn't maybe verbalise anything. I just nodded vigorously in, in the yeah, accepted yeah. audio uh, yeah. fashion. Anyway, yeah. there are. Let's uh, let's move on to <laughs> other repercussions of the of the Ukraine thing. I mean, FIFA yeah. finally accepted the inevitable and awarded Poland a bye in their World Cup playoff. So they will meet the winner of the Czech Republic, Sweden, semi. And Russia are appealing this through the Court of Arbitration for Sport, claiming that FIFA have been put under undue pressure by Poland and calling for the World Cup itself to be suspended. I mean, everything is just a popularity contest for them at the moment, isn't it? You know, read the fucking room, lads. (laughs) But but, but also, also, I don't understand understand when you're in a position like this, how you think you can appeal something, how... International law is somehow going to be all right. It's. I was listening to a thing on uh, on the radio yesterday that that said that, that that BBC had refused rights for strictly come dancing to be used in Russia. <laughs> and I thought, well, if you're Russia, you just go fuck it. We're doing it anyway. We've yeah. just invaded Ukraine. We'll do it. But strictly come Cossacks. We'll do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, 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 I uh, again, a, a cleverer person than me will tell me. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll uh, see but, if I can find one. Now, the yeah. most seismic repercussion. I found of- one. <laughs> Bing bong, there's someone at the door. It'll be them. Yeah. Now, the, the, the biggest repercussion of the invasion, as far as we're concerned, as far as as far as uh, fo- our football in this country, is the uh, well. Until recently, Roman Abram- Abramovich's scramble to flog Chelsea before it gets confiscated from him, um, and the sale seems up in the air just at the moment. As Abramovich was one of seven Russian oligarchs newly sanctioned by name just this morning, um, he'd been looking at a deadline of next Tuesday. He was trying to get it uh, get the sale underway before that. Uh, but now, who knows? He's had his assets frozen. He's not allowed to travel. Not clear where he is. Um, Chelsea has been seized from Mr. Abramovich as part of the freeze on his assets. The sale of the club now on hold. The government says it will issue a special licence that will allow fixtures to be fulfilled, staff to be paid, existing ticket holders to attend matches. Season ticket holders can still attend games, but they're not allowed to sell any more tickets and the club's merchandise shop will be closed. I mean, this is this is a seismic um, it, for, it, for, it absolutely is. I mean, uh, there's, a, there's a number of things, and, and this, as you say, only happened this morning because we're Thursday today. Yeah. Uh, 
First of all, first of all, I love the idea they've closed the club shop because they actually think the shop is where you can buy the club. (laughs) No, you've got to shut the club shop. That's what people are trying to do, buy the club. Look, club shop. They've got a whole rack. Of, of vouchers yeah. of, for yeah. NFTs, yeah. where you've bought where you've bought a digital <laughs> slice of yeah. the, slice of the club. Absolutely, and 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 there are a number of other things that, that amused me about this. One, it means the government, in effect, owns owns uh, well, yeah. owns Chelsea. I mean, like uh, like the Russian model, yes, <laughs> like yes. Moscow. Like Moscow, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, they've the, the reverted to a uh, 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 hated hated model. Yeah, I mean, uh, does this mean then that the sale of Chelsea is on hold? But you know, when it goes ahead, it's going to be sold by the the government because they've seized yes. it, so it's going to be yeah. it's going to be like buying a you know buying a, a, a car from the police pound. You know, it's going to be, isn't it? Well, it is, and so you can you can almost envisage Boris Johnson walking up and down Oxford Street with a placard "Football Sale" well, get- uh, ri- uh, uh, written on it. And the other funny thing, the, what I thought was brilliantly irony, maybe the word a clever person would know. The other well, thing tell is me that and I'll tell you. <laughs> that, that someone will buy it off the state at a knockdown price. But hold on a minute. Isn't that how Abramovich got his money in the first place? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly the yeah. way that Okay, it I'll allow that to be irony. It's not merely coincidence. Thank you. Yeah. Hurrah. I mean, the, the, someone's going to get a knockdown deal, aren't they? I mean, because, uh, well, it seems, you know, Abramovich was already to get to shift the club, was not going to call in his one and a half billion pound debt. Uh, but presumably, if they've seized his assets, they've also, you know, they, they've also seized his ability to claim that back anyway when they sell the the club. Yep. So that's going to be wiped off. So it's going to be one and a half billion pound cheaper for a start. Well, yeah, I mean, it was already Abramovich was already not going to do that. But the thing, the thing, the thing is that whoever buys the club, they could buy it, you know, nom- for a nominal, like like when he bought it for a pound off Ken Bates, you know, or whatever he did. Um, yeah, Ken Bates bought it for a pound. Ken Bates bought it for a pound. Of, so, yeah, yeah, Ken Bates yeah. is great at buying clubs for a pound. Wasn't he? I think yes, he got. He I think he got one pound two and six for old. It was a, back in the it was a pound club shop that he <laughs> yeah. used to go to. They should close that. <laughs> but the, you know, the, uh, someone's going to uh, be buying an, an an asset. You know, obviously the name, the Chelsea name, and all the staff and the players and stuff. But also a lot of financial uh, waiting there, waiting down. That there's it's it's broadly accepted that in order to continue to compete, Chelsea need to redevelop Stamford Bridge. Um, yeah. Because they're because they're just not taking in the gate money that United are, that Liverpool are, and City are. Um, but they've, they've they've got a totally unrealistic wage bill that's going to be unsustainable without pumping in money at a huge loss, the way Abramovich has been doing himself. You know, so you're yeah. going to need to be I, super rich and also, you know, prepared to just pump in your own cash. Well, it seems it's very, very early in all of this, although I was very pleased to see uh, Amanda Staveley uh, yes. pitching in by saying, I'm sad that someone will have a club taken away from them because of, with a link they might have it with someone else. And you think, yeah. well, you're talking about yourself there, aren't you, yeah. Amanda? Well, I'm only you know, glad at this, uh, this time that Prince Andrew isn't connected to any clubs <laughs> because, you know, yes. if, if, if you be, they're being taken away because you've got a relationship with someone, you know. Yeah. But, but she's a funny fish, Amanda Staveley, as I think I've said on this show before. Yeah. And I'd like to say, and, and, and if let if you have ears to hear, let them hear <laughs> that she should really take the Voigtkampf test. Oh, really? And there you Yeah. What would that It's have? the one that finds out if you're a replicant in Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not saying she is. I'm not saying she isn't. Well, she said. I'm just saying, take the test. She was asked, wasn't she, this week at the Financial Times Business Summit about Newcastle's association with Saudi Arabia, and her answer was, "We're always going to have geopolitical issues." 
Yeah. Which is yeah. Like, is terrifyingly yeah. glib, isn't yeah. it? For that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, there there have been a lot of um, there's been a lot of people circling the uh, what, what is now the corpse of Chelsea. Um, a lot of uh, you know billionaire, a lot of billionaire um, American sports tycoons, particularly. But there's one who I thought might have uh, caught your eye: the British property developing billionaire Nick Candy. He's in the yes. mix, apparently. And you will know him, of course, as a Neighbours fan, as Mr. Holly Valance. Yes, he is. And also, he's only 49 and seems to be around forever. But surely, you know, he's got to be looking at Chelsea and its position and its, you know, let's redevelop the ground by turning it into flats. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of what well, I think. Well, let's hope so. I mean, and his <laughs> yeah. CV also implicates him in the Conservative Party HQ Partygate um, scandal. He's well, well, exactly so. And so therefore, that. yeah, I, I wonder if I could buy it from my pal. You know, <laughs> it's going to be one of those. And we're back to Putin and Abramovich I, again. I, I love the, the fact that he said he has an affinity with the club because his father was asked to play for them. Yeah. And, which seems yeah. like an odd yeah. thing to say. Well, you know, did he play for them or did, I mean, if he did, yeah. then you'd say that, wouldn't you? He was, and, I, under I, what yeah, circumstances I, do you get asked to play for Chelsea well, and it I, doesn't I, happen? I, I think you turn up and somebody's injured and you've got your boots around your neck. That's the only way I think. All right, son, I don't suppose you fancy a game, do you? Uh, you know, my brother-in-law actually was claimed, always claimed he was asked to play for Wolves, but he didn't go because yeah. he got homesick. He, you know, he came home because he got homesick. But he didn't support them. He didn't have an affinity with Wolves as a result. He supported Manchester City yes. and for some reason. But uh, yeah, maybe yeah. once someone has asked you to play for them, you can't respect them anymore because you know how low their standards well, are. Well, I, I used to always say to, to, to young people, which is one of the great things about getting older, yeah, I played for Stoke for 20 years. And they'd say, really, and i go, yeah, well, they didn't know. But when I was playing, I was playing for Stoke because I support them. Well, so, in the know, age of the replicates, you know, you can, you can live that dream, can't you? Yeah, yeah of course you can. And now, yeah. so moving on, finally the fifth round of the, of the Cup, which sprawled across last midweek and, and into this, uh, got finished. Everton sneaked past Boreham Wood since we last spoke, and not particularly yep. impressively, and Forrest came out on top against Huddersfield. So now the quarterfinals have been scheduled according to the requirements of the television companies. And there's been a lot of dismay and criticism this time about the fact that three of the four ties have been arranged in such a way that they're impossible for away fans to travel to and from on the day by train. Everton's trip to Selhurst Park on Sunday lunchtime can't be done. Kick-off 12.30, first train into Euston from Liverpool, 12.11. It can't be done. Chelsea's 5.15 game the day before at Middlesbrough will finish after the last possible train back to London has left, 6.21. Liverpool fans travelling to Forest for their 6 o'clock Sunday kick-off will be stuffed if it goes to extra time. The last train leaves Liverpool at 8.24, and re- uh, leaves Nottingham rather for Liverpool at 8.24 and requires three changes and four hours to get back. And the only one that is theoretically possible, and this is only theoretical, is uh, Manchester City away at Southampton. But extra time would mean arriving back at one in the morning. And now football's notorious for not taking fans into consideration, especially on bank holidays and so on. But surely it was possible to do better than this. I mean, what about laying on football specials? That's what they used to do, isn't it? (laughs) Hooray! You use the two words that I love the best, the football special. (laughs) First of all, can I say... Any game at Crystal Palace is impossible to get to. So that one uh, not for me. Count. I can walk there. <laughs> well, yeah, you can. Okay. No, I meant I meant for the away team. Yeah. Um, but the football special. Now, listen. There must be people um, who listen to this. I hope there are people that listen. No, there must be people that listen to this that don't I'm know what a football Nick, special is. On. 
Let, let me explain. So many years ago, there was a company called British Rail, which was the Nationalised Railways, which was all right, to tell you the honest truth. Yeah. Although, to be fair, it was fairly poorly maintained. It was a bit slow. It was a bit inefficient. But it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. And it was relatively cheap. They had okay? uh, statutory joke sandwiches, didn't they? They didn't. Well, I loved the ham. I loved the BR ham sandwich. Yeah. There you go, uh, because they didn't have they didn't have an affect, affectations on it like mustard. You know what I mean? <laughs> Poncy stuff. Flavouring. Like anyway, all of the rolling stock. This is in the early eighties and yes. in the seventies. That was considered too shit for British rail was used for football specials. Okay, I grew up. I learned more about the world traveling to see Stoke on football specials yes. uh, than I did. From going to my private school. You, <laughs> no. Well, you learn no. more about how the world used to be. Yeah. You know, two yeah. decades ago. It was the closest thing to jail you could get and pay for it. Okay. Because it was aggressive. It was unpleasant. Yeah. The British Rail Police were violent and unaccountable. It was like traveling, I imagine, to a gulag. Okay. I'm a very privileged uh, yeah, person. Okay. But that's what it felt. It was great fun. It was <laughs> fantastic. I loved it. It was like living in a little pocket of of anarchy yeah and and uh, and and they were they were wonderful and basically just so you understand it was especially put on train that traveled from where your team played to where they were going to play and, and nobody brought, else and was allowed on it brought you back again yeah and, and nobody have, else have would to have want a, to yeah, go on it. No. You have to, you, it was one of the places where you had to be wearing a scarf to be allowed in, you know, <laughs> rather than, yes, rather than yes, pubs yeah. where and, that was and, a and, and, and lots of things are coming back to me now. There used to be a separate en- entrance on the station. At the station. The football special. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it was, impo- it was important. I mean, what about, you know, from the broadcaster, even from the broadcaster's point of view, they're going to be banging on about the special atmosphere of the cup. And who's laying that on? You know, they take it for granted that fans are going to go to extraordinary lengths to get there for the benefit of the, you know, the atmosphere of the, you know, it was, you know, they're going to drive down, they're going to stay the night before, they're going to, you know, they're going to make a long weekend of it. Uh, you're exactly at this right. notice, I mean, it's only the weekend after next. You know. Yeah, you're exactly right. You get to the position where the only away fans who are going are the ones that put the programme in a little plastic wallet. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, 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 the ones that, are, that cannot miss a game. Yeah. Um, well, no, yeah. There are fans, aren't there, where where something like that would be a challenge, you know, and challenge accepted, you know. Those games behind closed doors are always yeah, yeah. the ones that, uh, where, that fans uh, love the where idea. Where you want to find uh, a nearby quickly, hill so I, you can see in with... Binoculars yeah. or something. We, we, uh, we, we need to, to move on yeah, yeah. Uh, to our guest in a moment, but I just wanted to say, because I thought it would please you, that Jesse Marsh, the, uh, the yes. new Leeds uh, manager, who who in his first press conference mentioned Ted Lasso. Yeah, it was. Uh, Ted Lasso is the that? new manager, isn't he? He's the new manager yeah. at Leeds. So he said, he said, I call it football, not soccer, just so you know I'm not Ted Lasso, yeah. which is a great Even thing. Even though, by cultural upbringing, he's conditioned to think of football as the thing with fat blokes in crash helmets. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he but was Pleased, wasn't he? He, was, he said he was pleased with this team's performance at Leicester, where they only lost one nil, having averaged more than four goals against a game in recent weeks. Yeah, yeah, well, and he said, know. in fact, he said performance was more important to him than points. I mean, you can tell he's only just started going. Yeah, you know. Yeah, tell, so they're going well, down basically. You know. Yeah, but I think when you've got no points, performance has to be more important than yeah, points. Because yeah. if points is more important than performance, then it's shit. Well, I think it's an American. Amer- Americans they don't understand draws, do they? And they don't have no. them. And they don't have. Yeah. They have no fear of. They have no re- you know visceral fear of relegation because there's hardly yeah. any second divisions of anything. 
You know, no. that's the but I, 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 I think he does. But I also thought that his his fear of of uh, Jess, uh, of, of Ted Lasso, um, you know, fictional representations mm. have always been a problem for managers. I mean, Ron Moody's Fagin has been the bane of Roy Hodgson's life, for instance. <laughs> uh, very, okay, very just similar. very quickly to get to the, uh, get through yep. uh, Liverpool reduced the gap at the, the the top to three points by beating West Ham, who had more shots than any other visitors to Anfield this season, but didn't put any of them in the goal. Um, City stretched the lead again with a four one win in the Manchester derby. And it seems like time after time, pundits and analysts are able to highlight whole periods of games where United stars are just wandering around, not putting the effort in. Why are they not able to fix this? I mean, surely Rangnick sees it, don't you think? I mean, he's supposed to be a manager who likes his teams to press. That's supposed to be his his trademark thing. I mean, is it that yeah. they feel what, do they feel they've arrived now they're at United that they shouldn't have to do the manual labour? What is it? I have pages on Manchester United. We may have to make next week a Manchester United well, special. Yeah. I mean, I was listening not. to I was listening to um, Adam Lalana on the radio the other evening, and he was describing his time at Liverpool under Klopp um, in glowing terms. It was he described it as a privilege to play there, but in terms of sacrifice, what he had to give up to be part of the Klopp thing. You know, his private life, his time off, that sort of thing, because of the intensity and the commitment that's required and the relentless yeah. of, the fix, of the fixture list as well. And actually said, mm. like, it's, it's like, it's like being a holiday, you know, down at Brighton in comparison, you know. And I don't know. I mean, even yeah. Ronaldo, all the players, all the players, there's a good article in The Telegraph about how the star players they've brought in and how none of them have improved I think it's a subject we may have to revisit. Yeah. Well, Alan it was just, Lallana, just course, this week's news about Ronaldo was that you know yeah. he missed the derby. He went back to, on an unsanctioned trip to Portugal and filmed himself having a shower outdoors on Instagram whilst yeah. Manchester United are having apparently a club mental health awareness month. And seeing Ronaldo having a shower, whose mental health is that good for? That's all I want. Well, yeah. That's well, also, Ronaldo's been linked with um, Paris Saint-Germain by... Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano like Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Good yeah. time to join uh, them. <laughs> yeah, and Adam Lallana, of course, has his own problems with three L's in his surname. Yeah. Uh, he should really be a Welsh place name rather than a footballer. <laughs> so, listen, we must take a break because we've got a great guest coming up. Okay, okay. We've been trying to get our guests today on the show since we started over six months ago. And finally, just the tiniest amount of pester power has paid off <laughs> and the timing is perfect as her club, Brentford, are finding form and giving themselves a very good chance of staying up. She's been in football journalism for over 20 years and is funny to boot. And I was lucky enough to work with her a little bit before lockdown and can confidently say that she's not horrible. <laughs> so you are so very, very welcome, Natalie Sawyer. He doesn't that say that about everyone. introduction? That's, that's, that is quite an limp introduction, isn't it? Oh, I like it's it. Like, I like it's it. like last week, last week we had Adolf Hitler, but this week you'll be ever so pleased to know. <laughs> I mean, the fact you said she's not that bad, basically, is all right. I'll tell yeah, you that. I'll yeah, you. I, listen, if I got a review like that, it'd be pinned up on the toilet door, I can assure you. So, Two stars, not horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, um, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Brentford, and we're going to obviously talk a little bit about your career, and we're going to talk about football in general. But uh, actually, because it's Thursday, there's actually a raft of uh, Premier League games tonight, which could impact on Brentford uh, very heavily. But you seem to have had, I mean, you had a great result at the weekend against Norwich when you won 3-0. You've got Ericsson come in, which has given a bit of a, a little bit more attention back on the club rather than, oh, you know, I don't know whether you recognise this. I, I found, I found in the many times I've seen Stoke go down, that what happens is 
people become embarrassed and don't talk about you anymore. <laughs> and so especially when you've just come up like Brentford did and everybody wants to talk about you all the time. Mm. And then the, the, there's this like lull in, 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 in the chatter, isn't there? Um, and, and so do, do you think there's a renaissance uh, at, at, at hand or, or are you worried? I mean, of course you're worried, but... Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's always good if you're being talked about, isn't it? It means you're doing something good, I think, most of Oscar Wilde said so. Yeah, it's really only one worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, in my day job, working as I do on talk sport, I do talk about Brentford. To the point where some listeners don't quite like it. They think it's too much, Brentford. But what else am I going to talk about? They're my team. So Oldham. I want to you could talk about Oldham. <laughs> and I'm sure we have. Perhaps not as much as you would like, Chris, but I'm sure we have. <laughs> um, and yes, I think the thing is we had been in the conversation, but because of a relegation battle, which we still are in. We're not... One win doesn't get you out of it. No, no, no. Um, no. It was a really much needed win at the weekend. And I think it's given us a bit of a lift and a bit of a confidence. Well, I think people yeah, have been yeah. talking about uh, Brentford not in terms of uh, relegation until maybe the last sort of seven or eight games when they've had mm. a bad run. Um, and I think maybe people are, are just a little embarrassed at having uh, pronounced that they were they were going to be fine, you know, <laughs> halfway through <laughs> yeah. the season because uh, they started so well, didn't they, with uh, beating Arsenal and so on. But you know what? I think as fans of now clubs, I mean, I, I'm, I always will think of Brentford as an EFL club for, for a long time, I'm sure. It still feels like a bit of a dream that we're in the Premier League. I wouldn't give up on that. No, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not at all. Um, but I, I sort of think that um, I, I never thought, oh, we're safe just because of the start that we made, because yeah. this is Brentford. I've been, I've had the heartache of Brentford for many years. So I wasn't thinking we were safe and I don't think we're safe until I see it as fact. No, and it's interesting, actually, and, and I... This is like this purely anecdotal, but quite often teams that are fancy to go down come up and win their first few games. I remember Carlisle winning, and, and it ha it happens quite a lot yeah. that you know people get it, get, get it because because possibly teams have looked down their nose at them and haven't prepared properly. Well, especially if they um, can keep the team together, that came up. You know, because the, the, yeah. they yeah, exactly. kept, especially um, Ivan Tony, I think. Absolutely. Uh, and and had such a good season last season. And because we'd won the playoff final, there was a bit more momentum maybe behind us than, say, Norwich and Watford, who'd gone up a few weeks before. So we had that carrying us through as well. And um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Nick. I, there is always a bit of momentum with teams that come up. That's just inevitable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I, in terms of winning the playoff, mm. which, which I think is an interesting thing because actually it is a few weeks later or by the time it's all done and dusted, yeah. that in fact it's easier to keep the team together. But there's then also the argument of, you know, do you need – it's breaking up a team that's been incredibly successful but being realistic enough to know that possibly, and it's heartbreaking, some of the players – can't cut it, and of course, those players. There's a, <laughs> they are human beings. They may well be best mates with players that are central to the team, and, and this balance, I, I, I often think, isn't isn't discussed enough. You know, the, the idea of who's mates with who, and does it matter? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Or who's important in the dressing room, and does it matter? You know, no. I, do you know what? It's so funny you say that because being at the playoff final and, and witnessing our, us win a playoff final for the first time in 10 attempts which was unbelievable was wonderful to be at but there was actually a moment where I remember looking at the players who were celebrating and thinking 
you're not going to be playing in the Premier League. You're not going to be playing in the Premier League, which is awful because <laughs> you just think, well, they should be given that chance. But unfortunately, mm. that's not football. You know, if you're well, not good enough, they don't deem you good enough. You're never going to be given that chance. Well, Brentford have the yeah. other problem, don't they? The opposite, uh, if you like, problem of because uh, they've not been going up for the last three or four years. They, they've had they've been able to to turn around, particularly at the front when they you know mm. the, Neil Mopay has gone and they've brought in they've got Ollie Watkins and then Ollie Watkins has gone and now they've got Ivan Tone. They've been very successful. I mean, we've spoken about them on on this as as having a very uh, successful money ball sort of approach yeah. they call it don't they where yeah. they can where they they're very good at finding the player Ivan Tony I think came from Peterborough didn't he and then yes, they, right. they move him up and they move him up and the, and this time they've all gone up <laughs> this time and they've still got Mbermo haven't they who's uh, who's been Indeed. a constant yeah. for the last yeah, and it goes further back than that because there was Hogan and this yeah. just been just been a lot of players mm. in fact it's it's it, in my mind, there's probably six or seven in a sort of, uh, you know, in a sort of uh, a, a family tree of of, um, of of goodbyes. You know, they're, they're, they're living the EFL dream, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's like where you know you go into your local supermarket and then they're on your like uh, conveyor belt on your uh, at the till. Like, we've what we've you know we bought him. Who's next? It's that sort of thing. That's what we yeah, do at yeah. Brentford. Um, the fear, of course, was if we didn't go up. Who would replace Ivan Tony? Because we all expected that he probably would have moved on. Thankfully, we mm. went up, but I wouldn't have had a clue who they were aiming for next. You, you, you could happily have had Benica Phoby from us, <laughs> um, <laughs> who scored, funny enough, at Brentford uh, the yeah. season before you moved to the new ground. Now, also, there's, there's, uh, there's that strange thing that fans have. It was like everything moved at exactly the right moment. You were moving ground. Um, there was a need for this progression to germinate into something mm. fruitful and it all kind of happened at the same time yeah. uh, frustratingly for you of course without fans oh, i mean that no. must have been heartbreaking well it, it was and and i'm you know obviously it was only just a f- two years ago wasn't it that we went into lockdown and uh, i was at that last game at griffin park the Sheffield wednesday five nil win and obviously no one anticipated that was going to be the last victory or the last game that we would see at Griffin Park. And um, <laughs> so we didn't even get to have a send-off. And then we do move, as you say, into a new ground. And and um, obviously we had that period where we went into the playoff final and lost to Fulham. And I sort of think everything happens for a good reason. And the fact that we didn't go up in that playoff final meant that we are now able to enjoy us in the Premier League. And we wouldn't have done necessarily last season, obviously. Mm. Um, if we'd come down with just one season in the Premier League, what... What you know, heartache that would have been for Brentford fans. So yeah. Well, I remember the last uh, the last game before the lockdown that I went to was a three nil defeat away at Crawley, and I just thought, yeah, you can keep football. I don't want it back. But it's a strange. It. It's a strange. I mean, I I, I don't sound tr- trivial about this. It's a strange ex- uh, situation to find yourself suddenly in the Premier League and in a new. It's like an arranged marriage, isn't it? You know, you get there and you. How did all of this happen? And suddenly, we, you know, we're like days, months, years on from the last time I thought about it. Well, well the new is great, isn't it? I mean, you must enjoy it there. Oh, I, I love it. I really, really love it. And obviously, we had a big victory over Oldham in the cup earlier this year. You season. did. I was there. I, oh, and, 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 was a, and indeed, over Stoke in the cup. As well. <laughs> over Stoke in the cup as well. Yeah. But no, um, I mean, I, I, the, new, the new ground is just an. Uh, uh, I don't think I've been to a game like it. The the the, the uh, particularly beforehand, there was like a sort of there was almost like a cult like experience there. Yes. But people <laughs> people walking around beaming. 
You know, I've yeah, not. Yeah. I, I mean, it was still quite early in the season for for uh, Brentford, but then there was the there was the the, the light show with the, mm-hmm. that the floodlights can do on the pitch. I've I've never seen a club do that before, and uh, <laughs> and not in EFL two. You know, you're lucky if you've got enough bulbs to light the bloody. Pitch. Oh. But um, and the, and the whole Hey Jude thing as well. The, yeah. the, the and everyone joining in, and they're all beaming. It was like you know, it was like the, the, we, you, you were expected to be able to get Kool Aid in the club shop. You know, it was an extreme. <laughs> Thing. Well, I think it is. I think it's all down to the fact that we're in the Premier League. We're in a new stadium. We're all just loving life as Brentford fans right now. Yeah, even, yeah. With, even with, you know, the bad run of form we've been on of late, it's still a, a pinch yourself moment because by rights, Brentford shouldn't be in the Premier League. We're a small club in West London competing with four clubs in, you know, three other clubs in well, West London. Well, are you not, think, are no, you not no, seeing no, now? No, you're not no, seeing now no. the chance to be the, the new West London Giants. Now that, you know, now that uh, the government owns Chelsea, Chelsea yeah. they're going to run that into the ground, aren't they, oh, for sure? Yeah. And you know Fulham are going to go straight back down, well, so that's yeah. it. That's it. This is our time to cement ourselves. As yeah, exactly. So we, yeah. We're going to move on. From Brentford and upsetting though that is obviously. Although I want to ask you one question because I'm, I'm sure you're far too young. Do you remember the bloke with the big Alsatian that used to go to all the games? <laughs> Just me then. Right, let's move on. <laughs> so you were best part best part of twenty years at Sky, weren't you? And eighteen wasn't it? Something like that. And you were born in Ealing. Is that right? right. Did you grow up in Ealing? What? So I. I grew up. Did you? I just grew up in Chiswick, actually. Um, oh, never mind. Yeah, I have. To, I just have this vision of you as a small child looking through the windows at Sky <laughs> and going, "One day, one day." And then some some security officer going, "Come on, girl, oh, she's five again. minutes. You can have a look around." And then them going, "Go on, give the girl a chance." Oh, you should know. I never got that close. Security knew far too in advance. Get her out. Get her out. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a very well known supermarket just around the corner as well. So you know, I'd always make my trips there just to make sure yeah. you get near to the yeah. car. But, yeah. but okay. But, but okay, to be serious, and 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 it's always a, you know it's a, diff, it, a difficult thing. This thing, gender and football, and all that. And I'm sure you're bored of the questions. But one of the things you said was that, that why you left Sky, and I don't obviously want you to 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 say anything that you don't want to do about your former employers, was that you wanted to get off the auto queue. I have to say, as a consumer, somebody who watched it, I always felt slightly uncomfortable about the. Not about the fact there were women there at all, but the fact that they seem to have such an um, an impotent uh, influence on what was going on. It seemed to me that it was very autocue biased. That it, it looked. Please forgive me for this. It looked to me at the time when I was probably a lot more white on than I am now, like the KP nuts thing, you know, that we want to have an attractive face and we can play that as a sort of equality thing. Uh, That's not to say that the, the people involved were culpable or part of that, but... But I, I was always slightly uncomfortable about that. Now, m- tell me I'm wrong, but um, how was... No, I think, I mean, for example, myself, being a football fan, being a sports fan, uh, and someone who worked behind the scenes and worked my way up, I yeah. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the worst-looking person in the world. I'm not going to say... Oh, I don't know. Don't put yourself down. No, but I'm saying there is an <laughs> element of maybe you have to look... <laughs> I had yeah. to look a certain way, 
but equally, I think knowledge is really, really important. And, and I, but, you know. but, but that, sorry, but I absolutely agree with you. And actually, that that's true of all television. That there, that there is a little bit of uh, bias towards some somebody who's not necessarily attractive but easier on the eye you know they don't want somebody to take away from the message but what i was saying was more that uh you know you're a journalist yeah. I, I i i i enjoy hearing what you say now i enjoy we did a program for Talksport yeah. a couple of years ago um you know i i enjoy to hear you um Slightly more off the leash than say yeah. what had happened in the early years of Sky. Well, presumably that's uh, what uh, happens at Talksport, is it? You're 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 yeah. in front of a microphone and talking off off the cuff. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, we we have an idea what we're going to talk about, but it is just a conversation at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you are auto cue led, you, you don't necessarily have as much directive as you'd like to have, which you could have done. Don't get me wrong, you could have done. But there was, towards the end of my time at at Sky, I must say, there were a few things I got frustrated about because there were certain things I just didn't think I want, I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go to the social media desk and, you know, show what different tweets were being, uh, you know, written about certain scenarios and certain situations where I used to think, if people really want to know what's being said on Twitter, they'll go to Twitter. We don't need to do that. Um, So there's little things like that that I did question at the time that frustrated me. Um, And so, yes, now moving into the radio side of things, there is there is much more freedom, absolutely, and I love it. I have to say, it's brilliant. And and that's an interesting little family of the Talksport Sky News international family, which is a, a very dysfunctional family in that, that <laughs> you know, that, that there is a certain amount of criticism between the three, but they are kind of interwoven, uh, uh, aren't they? Um, but 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 I, th- I think, and I'm going to finish on, the, the, on this whole, the, you know, the whole thing in, in a second. I think my frustration was that, the, that I used to see a lot of female sports journalists on Sky and I didn't really know whether they knew a lot about football or not, because they didn't get the chance to fucking tell me, you know? (laughs) Look, look, I'm not going to lie. There were certain um, people that were brought in that had been spotted on, um, I don't know, as a model or as on other TV uh, stations, i.e. quiz quiz stations, let's say, who were picked because they were deemed to be of a certain look, who actually... Don Goodman. (laughs) For instance. That is it. Nail on the head. Don Goodman. <laughs> but, I mean, that's not to say they didn't work hard once they got there, but a lot... No, no, no. no, 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 no. I know no. what you're saying, Nick. Absolutely. There were certain certain people brought in for what they, how they looked. Absolutely. That was... There do seem to be a lot of um, a lot of female reporters now, and who must be reporters. Um, some of them are uh, former female players, a lot of female players mm-hmm. now. But on the Sky thing, where they go to grounds, and yeah. you, you're doing the gig where you're standing at the ground with the game happening behind you, and something's happened, and you... You don't know whether you're supposed to look at that. Where that must be a very uh, immediate, off the cuff sort of job. There are a lot of the yeah, female yeah. reporters doing that work now, doing that sort of gig. Yeah, not auto cue based. You know, no, exactly. And the only way you can do that is if you know what you're talking about. If you know what you're talking about, oh, if you know what you've seen, because you have to describe it immediately. Yeah, yeah. exactly, absolutely. And 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 uh, you know, clearly, Natalie, I, I you know, I, I've worked with you, and I know exactly what your credentials are, and the, the unimpeachable. And that's not to say that. Uh, 
I'm, I'm such an apologist for everything. I'm sorry. But I was going to say that, funny enough, I thought that when I saw the sacking of Bielsa, I just thought Karen Carney must have been saying to herself, you see, you see, because they were all going, it's the way they play the game. And Karen Carney got slagged off so badly for saying that maybe, maybe this pressing game doesn't suit Leeds towards the end of a season. And all I thought at the time, that's a really interesting point, but Christ, did she get some shit for it? Oh, she it? got crucified, absolutely. Oh. And, and do you know what? Karen Carney works, well, like, like a lot of female pundits, probably works 10 times more than the male equivalent because she has to, she can't be shown up, basically. And her yeah, opinion yeah, on Bielsa was absolutely valid because people had talked about it before, had seen it before. And I even knew of players at Leeds who talked about how they about it, yeah, yeah, overworked yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely, and can I can I just say in in terms of people that work in broadcasting and sport that you know from Chris and my point of view you know Prince Andrew works ten times harder than we do so <laughs> you know you're absolutely right on that it's no, all it's all about who you know <laughs> now, the th- now let's just take on to talk sport now, now this is a slightly different thing but but it's back to journalism which is that talk sport is. Um, it's a very rich, gamey pie for me. <laughs> I find that the opinions just come so thick and fast, and it's a bit like journalism in general. We were talking about, you know, who says Brentford are going to go down, then they're going to stay up. You know, if you actually looked at any journalist's output during the season, they're very rarely consistent. You know? <laughs> they will go, yeah, no, yeah, you know, it's like that, up and down and up and down and up and down. And I, um, I, just, I just wonder... Uh, and this is not a criticism. I wonder how much pressure there is to try and find something different and exciting, and do you know what I mean? And and provoking to say. Well, listen. Sometimes you might have to prod it a little bit, of course, because yeah. ultimately you want reaction. You want the listeners to to get involved in any kind of topic you're having. Um, I mean, I, I remember once being prodded by a producer to say that Chris Wilder was a dinosaur. I will never, ever say that again. The amount of abuse I got from Sheffield United fans. Imagine the dinosaur experts. They're, they're, they're going to be furious. Oh, exactly. I said, have you not seen the Wilderanosaurus? Anyway. Um, but yeah, He's kind of a mammoth, think... really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, um, but, I mean, you have to sort of um, have it. You do have to have an opinion. And sometimes you're going to have a, an opinion that people don't like. I get that. But that's the beauty, I think, of talk sport because we can just have a conversation and you can take it whichever direction you want to go in. And sometimes it's contentious. Sometimes it's a bit sort of middle of the road. It's sometimes it's just what everyone else agrees with. But I think that's what's great about it. It can be different. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I must say, you know, I mean, you know our job on on this, although I'm sure we believe it at the time we say it, is is to, is to find an angle, not necessarily to be cynical, but to, a different angle. I'm just struggling and, with the word uh, job. <laughs> so yeah, sorry. When I say job, I mean hobby. Um, uh, but I mean, the great thing about football is, and I'm sure you're aware of this, is <laughs> we always think. God, one week you're going to go in, or one day for you, you're going to go in, and nothing will have happened. But the great thing about football is, some things always happen. So, do you never think? Do you never think you're working on Talksport? Think the just. There just isn't enough sport. No. Not for a whole day. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody said that. Everyone was like, what are we going to talk about? 
there was so much to talk about because it's always about either the finances of clubs or even, you know, talking about getting football back on, but behind closed doors. There was so much to talk about that actually, you know, and even when we go in and, and uh, like I say, we do plan what we're going to talk about, but there'll be the few sort of spaces where we're not quite sure. And we always say, I work with Tony Cascarino, we always say, don't worry, we'll find something to talk about because there is always something to talk about. Because, <laughs> you know, Cass will have something that he thinks, actually, I really want to mention this today. Or I'll say, you know what? I want to talk about how bad Stoke are because that's just inevitable. <laughs> what day are you doing that? Oh, just thank so you I very can, much. That's the end of this week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Stoke. I was going to say, actually, about Tony Cascarino. Sorry, Chris, I, I know you're going to say something there. But, no, no. But that, um, actually, I found it really interesting because... I read Tony Cascarino's stuff in the Times, and and I listen a bit to 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 to, to what he says. But having read his autobiography, I mean, which is one of the most thoughtful and eye-opening autobiographies I've ever read, because because he talks about himself as a person and not as a footballer, which I which I love. So, I mean, one of, one of my very favourite things that he, he talks about, he talks about that, that one of the weirdest things about being a professional footballer was having to share a room with somebody. <laughs> and he just saying, you never think of something like that. And he's saying... Why? Why? I'm an adult. Suddenly I have to share a bedroom with another man. No, this wasn't a sexual thing. It was just strange. Just because people really have the little strange. habits, don't they? They have the little ways, and sometimes you don't <laughs> want to have your mate sleeping four feet away from you. <laughs> no. Your mate might snore, and you might think, I'm yeah. not going to get a good night's sleep. But Who it was it who played the trumpet? Was it Norberto Solano played the trumpet? <laughs> Didn't he? Whoever should, uh, was it Waddle shared a room with him? No, no, that was Astrid Hilberto, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but uh, um, I mean, it must be interesting. I mean, it's, it is. Let me ask you this, and okay, and this is something that, that it, from my experience, which is that you always have to defer to the player. You always have to defer to the person that's lived it. You always have to defer to the, the, the person that's probably been in the game longer, even if they're not a player. But there are times you think, oh, I really want to say something. <laughs> and, and it's quite, and it, it's quite different because, because, well, from my point of view, I always want to go, I'm sure this is a really stupid thing to say, but, and and I mean, in, in, in just to give a different example, in cricket, for instance, that's a very acceptable thing, because cricket has this idea that uh, what can he know of cricket that only cricket knows, and so actually, it's very acceptable to say, well, I wonder if, I. I would ask you if, whereas in football, um, you, uh, you get, and you will have heard all of these phrases, you know, and I, and I, you know, and, and, and have you spent a lot of time with Tony Pulis? They talk about a, a football person, the football yeah. family, people who understand. And, and there's, and there's a, you know, there's a gap that they perceive mm. between the, um, uh, let's call it the, um, the interested onlooker <laughs> and the realist who's lived there. And and how do you, do, do you bite your tongue or sometimes you just throw yourself in? Oh no, sometimes I bite because you can't help it, can you? you, you it does annoy me when you have that, as you say, you know, you can't talk about it because you've not played the game. Well, no, I, I haven't, not to that any great standard, obviously, but I've been a fan, so I've seen it from my perspective for yeah, a very yeah. long time. So, there, you know, I, yes, I might not know how to tackle full-blooded, but 
I've seen a full blooded tackle many a time and I know yeah, what's yeah, yeah, yeah. what's the yellow, whatever, you know what I mean? So um, yeah. it, it does infuriate you at times, but no, there are, sometimes I can be a little passive and just let things go. But if something really riles me, oh, I won't let it go. And I'm, I'm going to fight my corner all the way. <laughs> because for instance, I'll tell you something, this is a conversation I've had a few times, you know, usually in my drinking years and, and, and you know, when I was probably less um, diplomatic than I am now, you know, and I would say things to players or to managers who I may have met along the way, uh, you know, say, well, they've got academies, so why can't all footballers kick with both feet? I know that sounds really basic, but that is something you can learn. Mm. If you've got a child from the age of bloody eight, surely, surely they should be able to kick with both feet, you know, or take a throw in or take a... These are the... I mean, those are slightly more, you know, fan-based things. Mm. But in terms of kicking with both feet... I've still never received a satisfactory answer to it. <laughs> ever, because maybe that's something they always think in the back of their minds. Oh yeah, that's a good point. We've never really done it. And I, you're, do you know what? It's a really good question because by now you'd think everybody would be able to kick successfully with both feet, and yet it doesn't quite happen. Although having said that, I think more and more players do. They can certainly control the ball with more feet. They'll always have one stronger than the other. But um, yeah, it's a really good point, and yet no one well, answer it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the, the most satisfactory answer I've ever had um, was from Terry Conroy, who's an ex-Stoke player for many, many years ago. And he said, the trouble is that the coaches aren't as good as the players. Yeah. And so the coaches can't dictate to the players how they should play, you know. And I thought, that's kind of... I can kind of see that. Well, that's sense. happening Ralph Rangnick at the moment, isn't it? He's not managing to coach them to play anything. Well, it's like, yeah. also, wasn't it when Glenn Hoddle was manager? Was it Swindon or it was? He was just too good. It was, it was for England. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. story you're going to tell. He was too good. So it's just yeah. embarrassing for the players. Yeah. But he, he, and he would he would literally say, why don't you do this <laughs> and kick the ball yeah. and land it, you know, within a little quadrant yeah. of one foot? <laughs> and, and they'd go, because we can't <laughs> because we're not as good as you. That is the problem, yeah. <laughs> Which is tragic. Natalie, you have been such a great guest. I'm so glad we finally got you on oh. and we'd love you to come back, uh, but maybe not for two or three years. <laughs> That's fine. I don't mind. That's all right. That's well, until, until that whole Brentford thing has played out. I, you know. Know. <laughs> I mean, it must be such fun. I mean, I know I know people um, you know, who live in that part of London who support other teams like Bristol Rovers and uh, Tim who, who listens to this and uh, Steve was a Liverpool fan and they get taken along to Brentford by your fans are quite evangelical at the moment <laughs> about the whole cult thing and <laughs> and uh, my friends Tim and Steve have been drawn in and they've been going this season with you know with season, friends who have season tickets and stuff and oh, Brentford yeah. have a, a, are getting a lot of, of oh they're my second team they're getting a lot of that mm. at the moment Isn't that can I just warn listeners about Scientology. <laughs> it's very easy, isn't it, if you're feeling unhappy fall in, about the yeah. situation you're yeah. in, to be drawn into somewhere where things seem to be And if someone you don't better. know offers you a drink in a pub, you know, just think twice. Yeah, just look at it. Ask just for some sort of careful. ID. <laughs> just be careful. Natalie, it'd be great if, you, if you've had a good time. Um, tweet no pressure. <laughs> and if you've had a shit time, tweet about it pretending you've had a good time. Because, you know, we only have seven listeners. Oh, no. And we're two of them. <laughs> well, my mum and dad will be extra too. That'll be fine. Oh, be fine. 
What, uh, so what's your, what is, is, is Soy's your um, maiden name? Yes. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Soy's, how are you? <laughs> we love you. Thumbs up from them, I'm sure. Good to Whatever I do, they'll, honestly, my dad will ring up, you know, if he's ringing up the gas supply or whatever, and he, inevitably, do you um, listen to the radio by any chance? Inevitably, <laughs> the conversation goes down. Like that. oh, I used to have that with my dad. My dad, we'd, we'd have people come around to the house and go, well, you know my son, of course. And they'd go, <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, don't go, Dad. I know. Don't say it. Don't I, say I have it. People come anyway. around to my house to fix things, and uh, and they see pictures of you know Nick on the wall, and they go, "Do you know him?" Well, just to finish that whole thing off, on my honeymoon, um, on the first morning of my honeymoon, we rented a villa, and the bloke came round. It was in Spain, and and brought in some food at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He put it in. We went on our first day of our honeymoon, and he went, "Will Gary Lineker be coming?" <laughs> <laughs> Not on my honeymoon, and yet, you know what? He turned up. No, he didn't. <laughs> thank you very much, Natalie. Sorry, thank you. You're brilliant. We love you. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 